Welcome back to another episode of the Welcome to the Table podcast. I am your host, Khalil. And I am Sean. Also your Woo-hoo! host. Uh, and host we are number two. So excited. No, you're number one. You, you you're are number the, one you in my book. You are the face of the podcast. Our subscribers are number one. <laughs> you, you, our <laughs> listeners and subscribers, are number one host of the podcast. Now, we are so glad to be doing another episode here. And if you're new to the show, uh, this is a show and a ministry all about helping followers of Jesus learn to know God more faithfully, follow Jesus more uh, obediently and to just be the people that Jesus has called and created us to be for this moment in time. And right now we are exploring uh, spiritual disciplines. This has been a series we've been in for a while, and we're exploring the spiritual discipline of worship. 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 Which Uh, is kind of crazy when you think about it, because for me, I grew up in church, Khalil, and I never thought of worship as a spiritual discipline. Hmm. But it really is. Yeah. I did not grow up in church, yes, and I did not. not think about it as a spiritual <laughs> discipline, but you are right, it is. So I'm really glad we're kind of diving into this yeah. for this episode. And for these purposes of these spiritual disciplines is always to be transformed and to be made new into the image of Jesus. He tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and right. to, to be remade. And so these disciplines are practices and habits that we can walk in rhythmically, consistently, that allow us to embrace God's purpose and plan for our lives and his kingdom right here on earth right now and so as we talk about worship we were talking about this a little earlier and just saying worship is a little hard to define sometimes right yeah and you know you look at um, a lot of popular speakers or popular um, preachers or even people who might not be followers of Jesus but might uh, be in different religions and, and things like that it could be something that is misunderstood or even uh, demonstrated in a way that's not healthy and, mm. and can be even toxic. And you can listen to somebody say that everything is worship, which yeah, is true, mm. but it's like, how do we, how does, how does that help us as followers to really dive in to worship as a discipline? Because it's also something that should be cultivated within us. Right. When you think about worship, like what kind of word picture comes to your mind normally? Maybe just like a a standard image. I was kind of thinking about this. Well, I'll tell you, there's a few images that come in mind. One was an image for when I was a kid, and it's the person who's got their hands raised in the middle of a worship gathering, Mm. which usually means music and singing and song, and they're crying. That's been, that, that was my word. It's just this singing out loud, exuberant, and that, oh man, that was, for me, held to that standard of that's true worship. Mm. Somebody who's really emotionally captivated at this moment, and, um, and although that could very well be true, uh, I think it's incomplete. Mm. Um, what about you? What's uh, I always picture someone just like bowing down on the ground, you know, oh, with yeah. their hand like the up and down, like bowing in worship. I don't know why. I don't know if that comes from a movie or show or a cartoon or something. Yeah, probably. Uh, but I always see that like an image of like someone, like a, someone royal walking in the room and someone just bows down and starts doing that. And I don't know why that's the image I have, but it is. That's true. That's probably actually a um, probably a pretty accurate image for across lots of different cultures especially in um those honor shame cultures and cultures that have kings and different sure. uh, royalty but yeah. yeah so as we kind of are talking about this and saying worship is hard for us to define 
with a simple definition. I thought maybe it would be easier to simply look at some moments of worship in the scripture because there's tons of them. Mm -hmm. And in John 20, 28, uh, a moment of worship happens when the resurrected Jesus appears before Thomas. He's traditionally called Doubting Thomas, right? Uh, Why is that, Sean? Well, it's because he's like, I'm not going to believe Jesus resurrected until I see him. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus like shows up when the door is locked in the house that they're at and kind of passes through the door and then says, yo, here I am. Touch my hands. Uh, see the side that was uh, pierced with the sword. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and yeah, he's, and then Thomas in that moment, Thomas proclaims right in announcement. He says, my Lord, my God. Yep. And that moment of belief happens. Worship. Yes. Yeah. And in Revelation 4, 8, we see these heavenly beings around God's throne in close proximity. And they're worshiping God without ceasing. They're declaring, and you may have heard this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then mm-hmm. later in verse 11, the, the 24 elders, they're throwing their crowns at God's feet and they declare, worthy are you, Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Mm-hmm. This declaration. And then in Revelation, uh, several other times, there's these repeated instances of angels and elders and living creatures. Eventually, it's every living being centered around God's throne, declaring his worthiness and his honor and giving him praise. And this goes on into all of eternity. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And you see this reflection in Revelation, which is really powerful, of the same call of Isaiah and um, the angels who are worshiping holy, 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 which, uh, you know, is just another, it's a, it's a word of, to ascribe majesty and um, it's tethered from Genesis all the way through Revelation and something we'll do for eternity mm-hmm. as well. And there's multiple different instances we see in the Bible, I think, of times in the Old Testament when uh, an everyday average person is just going about their business and then an angel of the Lord appears um, and right. immediately they, they fall on their face. Or uh, the time you know Moses is walking and there's a burning bush and mm-hmm. there's, these, there's these holy moments where we see worship take place. And so the images that come to our mind or the images that specifically the Bible portrays help us to understand worship. So what are we seeing here in the Bible? Well, the word worship is derived from another word, uh, a Saxon word that later became and was translated into worship and eventually became worship. So to worship God is ultimately to ascribe proper worth to God. Or it's to approach God and to address God in the way that he's truly worthy. And when we, that that's easy for me to comprehend because understanding worship, I go, man, we don't always come to God or approach God in a way that is, demonstrates his worth or his worthiness. I think of, uh, <laughs> there's totally. times I've had, I've known people and there's been like either like a celebrity walked by or maybe someone in, a political office or something was in the room and they just didn't know that it that person was someone of authority and so they treated him really casually or just like that we would as buddies and then later on find out who that was and they're like oh shoot <laughs> like there was if i knew who that was i would have treated him different i would have approached them different i would have ascribed a proper honor to their position or their authority and so you know that makes sense to me when i think about god and when we worship him we are recognizing how worthy he is and we are approaching him and addressing him in the proper way. 
Yeah, absolutely. And even going back to that analogy, I think it's in our Western culture, because we are so highly humanistic and individualistic, we can be a little casual with the holiness of mm-hmm. our creator. And um, in addition to that, because the Christian faith is built around um, Jesus, really, if we boil it down to that, his his life lived, death, burial, resurrection, soon coming king, that it's built around his grace. He embodies grace, love, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, mercy. He embodies these things um, that sometimes because of that, I can almost um, be irreverent, not in a way that's intentional. Sometimes it's indirect and sometimes it's just because of um, I'm not paying attention, but um, it's good to continuously come back to his holiness, to the fact that he is worthy of worship and what that looks like, which we'll get to here in a, in a, in a few minutes. But yeah. And we, you know, we say what's true here is the more we focus on God, the more we understand and appreciate how right. infinitely worthy he is and how worth it. worship he is. And, and we see all of his goodness. And right. that's why we started a series on the attributes of God. And we want to explore the different attributes of God, because as we see who God truly is, it will draw us to worshiping him properly. Right. And so if you could see God at, at this moment, if he appeared in the room before you, you would immediately understand and see his, his worthiness of worship to the point that you would instinctively fall on your face. Right. If God was in the room, like we can't imagine that we wouldn't fall on our face and worshiping him, which then is that image that, you know, I thought of in right. the very beginning. True. Uh, and that's what many of the biblical characters do. We, they and realize they are in the presence of a holy God and they fall on their face, sometimes in fear because they realize they don't deserve to be or God is so holy and so perfect. They think they're going to die in his presence because they know they aren't. And they're just they think they're just going to be burnt up, you know, by his by his majesty. Uh, and right. that's what we're seeing in Revelation even is these creatures that are closest to him are in awe of him. They're declaring his worthiness. Holy, holy, holy. They're throwing their crowns down, basically saying, I'm not king in the face of this God. I'm not in charge. I'm nothing. Uh, right. They're, they're pri- ascribing proper worth to God, and they're doing that for all of eternity. Yeah, no, it's good. And I was listening to AJ Swoboda and, uh, his podcast with Nije Gupta. Um, and if you want to listen to our interview with AJ, it's a fantastic one. It was a few episodes ago and he's just talking about this idea that, um, that God creator, God is, you can't, we can't fully know him in his fullness. If that were the case, in so many ways we would all die <laughs> like mm-hmm. and so there's an there is a when it comes to our worship of god there is a revealing over time you see it in the old testament there are certain times if you were to peer appear upon the face of god you would die basically mm-hmm. you know um moses gets a glimpse of it and his face radiates and so uh there's there's this sense of worship when it comes to um if if God was in the room, if that was God revealed in the room, um, they would overwhelm us to a point that our response could only be, you know, uh, a response of, of, uh, worship through posture actions, the way we, um, 
way we approach him. It, you can't stand straight mm-hmm. and stare at him. Right. So it's it's interesting. Yeah. And we've talked in a that. previous podcast about just the spiritual discipline of meditation. Yeah. And as we meditate on God's holiness, as we fix our eyes and focus on what truths about him, uh, what is true about him, we will learn more about what it really means for God to be holy. And the Holy Spirit then will draw us mm-hmm. into uh, uh, an awareness of who God is that overwhelms us to the point of worship. And so I would even encourage our listeners to to meditate on God, meditate on his goodness, meditate yeah. on the attributes of God as we put out those episodes. And as you explore that, and as you read the scriptures and see, we're going to talk more about that, but as you see who God is, meditate on those things and become so aware of who God is, the Holy Spirit will overwhelm you with God's goodness yeah. to the point that you cannot help but worship him. And uh, Donald Whitney talks in his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, about the Bible. He says the Bible is the most reliable and authoritative source on earth for information about the holiness of God. And he says there, he says, if through meditation, which is, I'm just defining it as a focused attention on what is true about God, then we will focus on the person and the work of Jesus found in the Bible. We will understand more of this holy God. And he basically says that to the degree that we comprehend more of God, we will respond more in worship. And so you can't see God's goodness and not grow in adoration for him. And right. that adoration overflows into this worship where we say, wow, God is so good. God, holy, holy, holy are you. You are so good. You are so worthy. You are so beyond anything in this world. I can't help but be in awe of you and be inspired to be faithful to you and to respond in, in kind and to be like you. And it changes who we are. And that flows into this, this amazing act of worship. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we need to kind of pause on the adoration just for a moment because yeah. it's not that it's lost because we adore all kinds of things. Sure. There's so much adoration in our world and our culture. The, um, the difference I think with the Christian life in one sense is that no matter what my circumstances are, that adoration of creator God in the midst of pain, frustration, hurts, any of it, goods, highs, lows, it develops a certain, uh, intimacy with the creator that would not happen. Have I not adored him and mm-hmm. brought it in? And so it's not a, it's not necessarily a, um, What's the word I'm thinking of? Inauthentic. It's not that we were, we're inauthentic or I'm doing this out of duty, but it's because I recognize who God is and in adoration of him, which is another form of worship, I, I, be, I discover more about me, but I discover more about him. And it actually, I actually grow. I mature through it. And mm-hmm. so... Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I feel like I feel like bringing adoration to the forefront's important when it comes to worship. I think that's good. And as we talk about worship, you know, we're talking about worship as a discipline. So a discipline is something that we can do. It's something yeah. we embrace. Um, worship requires us to focus. That's why I talked a little bit about focused attention on what is true about God. Because what is true is that we will always become like what we focus on. Yes. You know, like magnets, we're drawn to our affections. That's why there's that phrase, you're the average of the five friends you spend the most time with, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever we focus on, wherever we spend our time, wherever we spend our attention, we become like that thing. And so this is why it's so important for us to 
fix our eyes on Jesus, fix our eyes on God and who he is. Right. You looked like you wanted to say something on there. Well, I was thinking about, you know, you said the magnets piece and the focus piece, just, um, you know, we, we, I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but we talk about just like proximity. If I am focused on, um, things that are negative, inevitably I become a negative person. Mm. Uh, if I'm focused on, I see this a lot with followers of Jesus and not just followers of Jesus, but what has been or what was done, you know, it's kind of the the classic if you've seen napoleon dynamite the uncle rico i used to be a really great football player Mm -hmm. and that's everything is centered around that Mm -hmm. it's a a, what god used to do although we must always remember what god has done we always must remember what we were able to do in in the past in partnership with jesus christ and the power of the holy spirit there are new things that he wants to do right now for you he wants to pull us into the future and do more than just what he's done and I think uh, sometimes we focus on uh, just the wrong things. And yeah. um, anyway, I, I think I might be jumping a little bit of a, ahead, but important to just kind of remember, yeah, what I focus on, inevitably, I, I kind of become that. Yeah. Right. And we know we focus on a lot of things. We yeah. focus on our worry. We focus on our anxieties. We focus on what we don't have. And when we focus on what we don't have, whether that's money or a relationship or mm-hmm. some sort of uh, status, we end up pursuing that thing and, and we become slaves to that thing. And right. so uh, we're going to be drawn and we're going to become like what we focus on. So yeah. w- why is the Bible important here? How does the Bible become a central tool for the Christian life? Well, the Bible reveals who God is to us, right? So that And the whole purpose that God gave the Bible for us for is that we may focus on him. Yeah. And what's true is, you know, where there's little understanding of God, there's going to be little worship of God. Mm-hmm. But the reverse is also true. You know, much focus leads to much worship as well. And when we look at these revelation passages and the various passages in Scripture, what we see, and it's, this is kind of our definition of worship. Again, it's not a definition so much as it's an image and a word picture to help us understand. But proximity to God leads to worship. Mm-hmm. Anytime someone is near the presence of God, they are immediately drawn to worship. Right. Proximity to anything is going to lead to worship of something. And so as a discipline of worship, it is the discipline of proximity to God, putting ourselves in his presence, putting ourselves near him, putting ourselves in his word. We can put ourselves near his presence through worship music as well, that we're, we have a dedicated moment and a time to pursue God's presence and to block out distractions and to say nothing else gets the sacred space. This is time simply where I focus and fix my attention on God, who he is, who he has been to me, and I'm going to let that shape my identity and let that shape who I'm becoming and what I'm becoming like. So proximity to God leads to worship of God. Yeah, and the proximity piece, uh, the another animation is um, my wife um, or a spouse, if I, if I'm pursuing my spouse in marriage, then intimacy is built. Mm-hmm. Intimacy is built. It doesn't matter if we are in an argument mm-hmm. and I'm pursuing her in the midst of that or where it's, it's a great, uh, it's been a great day and we're having uh, fun watching a movie together or playing games or whatever. Yeah. It's 
intimacy is being built. And so proximity works itself out in several ways. One is um, as communal liturgy. So worship, I will say it this way, worship as communal liturgy, uh, consistent larger group gatherings. You see it throughout scripture. So I want to encourage you, and Whitney does this as well as uh, Foster, C.S. Lewis. There are so many other uh, ancient writers that really talk about the importance of withness, being together for the purpose of witness to the world. Mm-hmm. That when we gather together in a large group, we don't neglect that, especially in this day and age that's very digital. We can also worship through digital means as well. We're not knocking that, but we are elevating the local uh, gathering of followers for the purpose of the reading of scripture in public, connection and music and song and so on and so forth. Hebrews 10 talks about this. Don't neglect it. Don't neglect gathering together. And something I notice too, when I am drawn, when I am in community of other worshipers and maybe my heart has grown a little cold or maybe I have moved in proximity slightly yes. away from God. When I see the adoration of other people for God, it draws me to want the same thing. And I will right. never forget very early in my faith being in a worship gathering. It was actually a, like a worship concert. And I'm seeing all these Christians with their hands up and they're praying and they're singing. And I see a couple of people are like crying yeah. and I'm thinking, wow, I remember I want to worship God like that. Right. Because when you see other people in worship, you realize God's worship. And at one point you might realize I'm not there. I'm yeah. a little further away. And so being in proximity with others and being with the, the body of Christ in community can actually draw you into proximity with God and to help you draw near to him and long for him. And the Holy Spirit does that. Holy right. Spirit prompts us to be closer as we are in community with others. Yeah, it's the classic, if you pull a log away from the fire, it cools. Mm-hmm. But if you can you can put a, put a dry log back onto the fire, and if the fire is raging, it'll make it even more so. And so, um, so important to, um, we just want to encourage our, our listeners, if you haven't been, maybe you've been watching online or maybe you've been kind of hopping around in different churches, we want to encourage you to plug in, mm-hmm. plug into the body as flawed as it is. You'll never find a perfect, uh, uh, church or uh, small group community or large group community, whatever the case may be. But in order for you and your walk with Jesus to be very worshipful, we have to have this liturgy of the communal uh, connection within a larger group body. And then the other one is uh, worship as a secret experience. And that's the, the daily uh, ancient practices and spiritual disciplines mm-hmm. we've been uh, talking about um, just the importance of that uh, intimate one-on-one setting or, you know, uh, the, with the triune Godhead, if you will, um, that we are every day making sure we abide, mm-hmm. we attach ourselves. To, to him that we lean into the presence and acknowledge the presence of our God um, through worship, through ancient disciplines and practices. I think that's good because we can always pendulum swing from one extreme to the other. Maybe you are only a secret worshiper. You only <sighs> worship Jesus in your home alone. You read your Bible. You you listen to worship music, but it's a it's a private experience. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you are all the way on the other pendulum or side of the spectrum where you only worship Jesus on Sundays and in the gatherings with people. And so 
this discipline of secrecy means I'm not just going to get fed by the pastor and his preaching or my only encounter with scripture this week is not going to be when it shows up on the screen in my church or when someone else cites the scripture or we're in a Bible study together, but I am going to swing into the secret experience where no one knows, but the intimacy that is built in a time that is just you and God, the same as you just brought up your, your wife, Sean, like, you and your wife have experiences where no one else is there and the mm-hmm. intimacy that is cultivated in time alone uh, where you're sharing the fullness of yourself and being vulnerable and being real with each other. Man, it's powerful yeah, and it can't be replaced. Time. The same is true of our relationship with God. What you experience in your private in silence and solitude and Bible study and reading of the scripture on your own and secret meditation and secret prayer is a powerful thing as well. So where are you on the spectrum? Yeah. Listener, you might be on one side or the other. And it's, so we want to encourage you to cultivate a, a daily and a weekly rhythm of both. Yeah, both. And, and I like to say walking with Jesus works itself out in worship of Jesus. So all of this is walking with him. It's a both. And like Khalil said, and just want to encourage you all worship is incremental. Mm-hmm. It's incrementalism over binging. Um, I stole that from somebody. I don't know who. Um, so if that somebody is listening I apologize. Um, But it's incremental to human growth and development. It means we become the person that we were made to be and called to be incrementally over a lifetime. And so um, I love what uh, Donald Whitney says in his book, once again, referencing him, godliness requires disciplined worship. A failure to experience the spiritual growth we want when, when we want it doesn't disprove the effectiveness of God's means. That is what we're talking about right now, spiritual disciplines, walking with Jesus, uh, to Christ likeness or becoming the person we were meant to be. So if you're feeling like, man, this is great guys, but I feel I'm falling flat on my face. Good. Mm-hmm. So do we sometimes because our, our walk with Jesus is not instantaneous, uh, uh, instant gratification. It is, um, over a lifetime and we would encourage you to pull somebody in with you and ask them, maybe they've gone a little bit further ahead, ask them some questions, some things that they've done in their walk or in their worship of Jesus. Um, Think incrementally, Mm -hmm. not binge. And I think that's important too, because we have the old adage that, you know, practice makes perfect and it does, but not as fast as we think. And it maybe is, it would be better to think practice makes progress. Mm -hmm. Every time we practice these disciplines, we are taking one step closer to Jesus, right. one step closer to who he created us to be and take one step at a time, but you keep taking steps for a lifetime and you will arrive right. there. But so don't be discouraged when we don't see it in a week uh, or we're like, man, I read my Bible every day for, for a week straight, but I just, it doesn't seem like anything's happening. Practice makes progress. Keep pursuing Jesus. Yeah. And, and recognizing too, that you're, we are until the return of Christ, we are always going to be a, a, a work in progress, if you will, um, a person developing and uh, being shaped and morphed into the person that we are created to be. Uh, so be encouraged today. And I think, you know, as we worship Jesus, remembering, maybe this is just me, but just was thinking about not pursuing these things to try to arrive somewhere or get yeah. somewhere, but realizing that the presence of God is the gift. The presence of God is the ultimate goal, being with him. In, in Genesis, in the beginning, when God created a garden 
and he put man and woman in that garden, it was to be with him, to be in relationship, to walk with him in the cool of the day. And yeah. sometimes I think, okay, I want to be a better person. I want to be this. I want to be that. So I'm going to pursue these disciplines so that I can be X, whatever. I can get to some ultimate goal. And I'm looking past God to some other thing. And right. I can forget that being with God is the blessing. And as we are with God, he changes us and he morphs us and we become more like him. But we're not with God so that we can yeah. achieve some other thing. We are with God so that we can be with our author, our creator, the perfecter of our faith, the one we were made to be with. And that just dropped onto Dude, my heart. I Well, I think that's so important you mentioned that because as pastors— um, I'll never forget. I can think of the faces and the names of people who have come up to me and said, Christianity doesn't work. I've tried, I've tried it and I'm not getting X. Mm. I'm not getting a B or C. I'm not getting, and helping frame. Cause we are a, in the Western, uh, world, we are a formulaic principle based, uh, culture, Definitely. which is not necessarily Eastern in the way the scriptures were written it's uh, not so I can get something. We say that almost every time when mm-hmm. we're talking about a spiritual discipline, recognizing that it's not so I can get something from uh, God, but that um, I can receive something so much more beautiful. Um, well, that's why when I talk about walking these disciplines, I just said it a moment ago, but I said, the more you practice it, and we talked about progress, the closer you will get to Jesus. Yeah, the more you love him. Just to remember yeah. that, as I walk in these disciplines, I'm moving closer to God. The goal is moving closer to God. Right. It's not getting some other thing, but moving closer to God. So as yeah. you think about your disciplines, you can think, am I becoming more like Jesus? Am I moving towards Jesus? Am I growing in relationship with God? If I'm made to walk in the cool of the garden with him, right. am I enjoying his presence? Are we talking to one another, communing with one another? And it's amazing as you move towards him and you begin to hear him speak in your life, uh, through various means and you see you see him working around you and you become aware of his goodness in your life and right. his provision for you it fills you with joy and it becomes the most important thing yeah. recognizing recognizing how loved you are i mean how beyond our capability to understand and comprehend loved you are and there's something about that, you know, and obviously marriage and other, other things as well. Other relational components is a mirroring of that. Mm-hmm. But, um, anyway, how do we, how do we apply this Khalil? What's, what's some, what's some thoughts here? Um, what, what does it look like for us to cultivate this spiritual discipline mm-hmm. of worship? Yeah, I think number one, I would just say as we cultivate our worship for God, you know, Will you commit to a daily discipline of worship? Because we're talking about these rhythms that we walk in every day that shape our hearts and change us. So if I am, if every day I think about it as me taking one step closer to something, at the end of the day, when you you average out your time and your energy and where you invested in and what you worked for and how, how you thought and what you focused on, did you take one step closer to God today or did you take yeah. one step further away from him? And if you commit to a discipline of daily worship with God, then you will be moving towards him. And remembering that God has revealed himself. He's revealed himself through creation. 
So uh, when we see a good sunset or a beautiful canyon, the proper response is worship, worship of the creator, worship of the one who made that. God's revealed himself through his word in the Bible, as we talked about, and through Jesus Christ perfectly. So what does it look like for you to have a daily discipline of worship? We can worship God in a myriad of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, All of our actions and our thoughts and our pants lead towards worship of something. So um, that would be my thing, a discipline of daily worship. But Sean, what might that look like for someone? Yeah, I think it, like you said, can be, um, it can be as many as there are people. So we can respond through song. Is as if worship is a response, is part of it is a response. We can repo- we can respond through song and singing. I do not sing well, so I'm probably um, not going to sing super loud or and turn scare the music my kids. louder. Or turn the music louder. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and even I would say, don't even have music. Mm. That could even be something. So create a song in your own heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill uh, you, the room uh, wherever you might be. Uh, we respond through posture. I I just. I love the image that we said at the top of this that Khalil, you get. Um, are we kneeling down before our king? Um, there's something about posture that demonstrates worship of our king. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kneeling down, uh, laying down, face down. Um, uh, maybe it's kneeling over your bed every every morning and just hands up in uh, your palms up. Yeah. I think in a lot of people have probably maybe seen an image of someone kneeling in prayer. We've heard, you know, yeah. the kneeling at your bed to pray, or we've heard about the prayer closet or something. And, uh, it almost for me, it has seemed like, Oh, that's like a traditional thing or people have done, but it is a posture of worship. So as I talked about my image in the beginning of worship being like laying down on your face, I do, uh, at times take a discipline to just kneel yeah. and to bow as I pray because I am stopping and I'm seeing that God is before me and he's worthy of me bowing before him. And as we bow, we submit ourselves, we submit our desires, we submit our thoughts and we acknowledge that he is worthy. Yeah. My, my, my mentor, he says it all the time before he steps into his study that he bows, he has a door, it's a nautical door where he bows, he has to bow down as he enters and steps up into all that God has for him. So there's that piece. There's also respond through celebration. Um, you know, Paul David Tripp in his, uh, devotional, uh, new morning mercies talks often about the going to bed, reflecting on the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. What has, cause oftentimes we reflect on all the bad things or the stressful things or the hurtful things and so on and so forth. But that yeah. goes along with adoration as well. Celebration. And then obviously ancient practices again, uh, pick a practice, um, one maybe a year uh, or two uh, this year that you want to try that you haven't in the past or that you want to get better in and go for it. Yeah, I might even add just giving God credit. Yeah. Uh, you know, giving God credit when we see mm-hmm. his creation, realizing he's the one who's made it. When I ask God for things, I always say I want God to get as much thanksgiving as he gets supplication from me. So as I ask him for things, when he provides and he's good, I give him just as much thanks. That might be another discipline. But Sean, earlier you talked about um, the fire and, you know, being a log by the fire. Yeah. 
I love this quote from Donald Whitney, and we're, we're talking about these secret disciplines, but he says, how can we worship God publicly once each week when we do not care to worship him privately throughout the week? Mm-hmm. Can we expect the flames of our worship of God to burn brightly in public on the Lord's day when they barely flicker for him in secret on other days? Yeah. And That's challenging true. and convicting line, but it made me think about that daily discipline of worship. Will you commit to that? Secondly, I would just encourage people to let your acts of worship be done with a heart of worship. It's easy for things to become religious or routine. This is just what I do, or I know it's right. But to actually keep our hearts close to God. Again, adoration for God will lead to an outpouring of just where our actions are no longer just behaviors, but they're responses uh, that are heart-filled and joyful in, in action. And uh, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about this on just doing things from a heart of worship. Uh, yeah, I would, I would just say it helps you guard against all kinds of, uh, temptations to earn, uh, God's love. But when we are, um, when we have a heart of worship just because of who Jesus is and we want to become, uh, we want to be closer to him, that whole proximity piece, it helps guard us against that. Um, Jesus loves you right where you're at and he's, he's for you. Yeah, and I would say if you notice for yourself personally that right now your acts of worship feel dry or they feel stale or you find yourself just getting tired of them or they just feel like mundane routine, you might want to focus on finding more time in God's presence. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just imagine the creatures around God's throne that we mentioned in the beginning in close proximity to him. Imagine them ever saying they were tired of worshiping him. Mm -hmm. And so when we grow tired, it might be because we're doing routine apart from relationship and routine apart from relationship is miserable as I saw those people and I said, I want to worship God like them. When I find myself getting cold or dry or, or stale in my worship, I make sure to find silence and solitude. I play worship music that draws my heart towards him. I spend time in prayer. And I just want to encourage someone because I know there's definitely someone listening who feels like they're in that place. Yeah. Focus on proximity to God and the Holy Spirit will change your heart. Yeah, absolutely. Last word for me, what I pay attention to gets my worship. And I know that we've kind of beat that drum a little bit, but I think it's important. Um, what are you paying attention to today? Um, and don't beat yourself up if it isn't Jesus. <laughs> we've all been there. Uh, we're marred. We're sinful. We need his presence. We need his forgiveness. We need his mercy. Yeah. So commit to the discipline of worship. And if this has been a meaningful conversation to you, let us know. Give us a review. That would mean the world to us. And share this episode with someone you think would benefit from it. We know that all of us are made to worship our creator and we all get drawn towards worshiping other things. But if you have a friend in mind, someone you thought about that, you were like, man, they should listen to this. Share it. God might yeah. be prompting you to share it with them. And also, we'd love to let you know we do have a Patreon page. If you want to be a contributor and help this show continue to go further, it means the world to us, to all of our supporters. Thank you for that. You can find the link to that in the show notes. And until then, man, go worship the Lord in fear and yes. trembling. Realize how worthy he is of your worship. Fix your eyes on him. Be close to him. And the fire of your faith will grow ever brighter. <laughs>